Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. This is show number 135, released on March 30th, 2016. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hey, 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 what's happening? Not too much, it's just been a boring old month, nothing, uh, nothing at all to talk about whatsoever. Yeah, so the end. End of the show, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Nothing to talk about this month. <laughs> now, obviously, it's uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. It's all been released now worldwide. It's out there. Everyone's watching it. Uh, you and I have both seen it. Uh, I've been to the USA, traveled to New York. We met up in person. We had lunch with our wives, had a fantastic time. Now we're back into the grind of things, back home. Uh, getting into uh, everything that's happening, just kind of trying to keep on top of all the reviews, all the reports, all the interviews. Uh, it's just so much going on. That's right. You've heard it here first, folks. Steve is in such a faraway land that he had to travel all the way to the United States to even see the movie. That's how... <laughs> yeah, I'm on Krypton right now. No, no, no cinemas, no theaters, no nothing here. Nothing, nothing. Just like uh, underground living because of uh, we've overmined our population. <laughs> it started with movies, and then it all went downhill from there. But uh, yes, we did have a great time. We were in the city. I wish we would have had more time. Mm, yeah, it did seem to fly by. We spent three hours with each other over lunch, having a chat and having a good old chin wag. But uh, at times, does fly when you're having fun, and uh, we had a great time together. Uh, it's been whoa, what was it, two thousand and eight? Mm-hmm. Was since we the previous time that we met up in Metropolis, Illinois, for the two thousand eight for the Superman celebration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. All right. Well, let's get into just talking about it. Um, I flew, as Scotty said, from Sydney, Australia, to New York in the USA for the New York premiere of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. It was fantastic. My wife came along. Uh, we spent a nice week and a bit. Uh, doing the touristy stuff in New York, but also obviously there for the premiere of Batman v Superman. Uh, had a great time on the red carpet, or it was actually black carpet, but a great time doing the uh, the interviews uh, with the cast and crew as they walked past, and then got into the screening of the movie, sat down for the two-and-a-half-hour screening. Thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Uh, my review is up on the website. Um, it's it's not a perfect movie, but there I don't think there's ever been a perfect movie. So yes, it has its flaws, it has its troubles, has its timing issues. But all in all, I was actually quite impressed. I was very thrilled with the way Superman was portrayed. I thought the action sequences were great. Wonder Woman got the biggest cheer of all when she came out. Um, I just thought it was really well done and a great addition to the DC Universe of movies that started off with Man of Steel. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it twice now. And the first time, I was a little deflated after it was over. I I felt similarly when I watched Man of Steel when I went to the world premiere. We were both there together. Actually, we were talking about 2008. We actually saw each other for the the Man of Steel premiere in uh, in, uh, New York City as well. They were calling that the world premiere. Did they? Was was this was not the world premiere that you attended? No, because Mexico got it the night before on March nineteenth, but uh, the New York premiere was March twentieth, so it was only one day difference. Well, there you go. So the the Mexican people, of course, called us up and spoiled everything before we got to see it because <laughs> that's what you do when you get to see a movie a day early. Um, but I I so I think I was deflated because, and I think. I feel like a lot of fans might not even understand 
that that's why they were deflated. And, and maybe, I, you know, I could be wrong, but my thinking is that I was deflated because it was just over. It had been a right. buildup for since Man of Steel. It had been a buildup waiting and waiting and hearing all these little things and being concerned and being worried, but also being excited and being happy that it was happening and we're leading to Justice League and everything's just very exciting. And so when you go in, your hopes are so high, but you have concerns. But at the same time, you're hoping it's going to be the greatest thing you've ever seen and you've been waiting all this time. And then when you finally see it and then the credits roll, it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's it, huh? Not that it was not that the movie wasn't good, just that now, uh, almost three years or whatever of your life, that seems like that's all you've been waiting to have happen is now done. So now it's kind of like uh, the Princess Bride when he says, I just don't know what I'm going to do now because mm. – I spent my whole life trying to find the guy who killed my father, and now that he's dead, I, you know, feel kind of uh, like I don't have a purpose. Um, not exactly that crazy, but uh, so I think that's what it was. So then I saw it a second time, and uh, a lot of my uh, issues that I started working up in my mind, ones that I'm hearing in write-ups, ones that I'm hearing other fans say, were kind of alleviated with seeing it the second time. Obviously, as you said, Steve, it's not perfect. There are issues. There are things that even on a second viewing are still not explained, but it's certainly not the hot mess that, that seems to be being talked about. Yeah, I was uh, very um, kind of uh, deflated myself seeing all the critics' reviews and the the bad word it was getting with uh, early reviews before it actually went to, you know, to its official release on March 25th or 24th, depending on where you live. Uh, the you know the the embargo on reviews was March twenty second. That's when my review went up, uh, and watching all the other reviews go up at the same time from you know some of the film critics was like, what did they watch the same movie that I saw? And then you get these fans who just latch on to these kinds of negativity and yeah, oh, I see. I told you, oh, Snyder's ruined it, and oh, who's you know what a what a disgrace. And and these people haven't even seen the movie themselves; they're just reacting to these reviews. And and it's like, hang on, just whoa whoa, take a back seat and. Go see the movie for yourself. Make your own opinion. Don't just go on what other people are saying. Yes, you know, you, you, you like to read reviews so that you can get a bit of an, an idea, but, you know, base your own opinion on your own viewing. And once that has happened, wow, the, the fans have just gone nuts. They're going, how great is this movie? Uh, not everyone's in agreement, but the majority of the reviews from the fans are quite positive. And the, the, the movie is breaking all kinds of box office records for its opening weekend. And yes... The, the 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 tale of the story will be in the second weekend you know the second week of you know to see how you know the sales tail down or you know whether they drop off or what the case may be but all in all the, the reactions that I've been seeing online facebook social media twitter whatever have been from the fans have been mostly positive and so the difference between what the critics have been saying and what the fans have been saying there's a massive gap and difference uh, in in those two reviews now, it's interesting. I haven't been back to – it seems like everybody cites Rotten Tomatoes. That's where they go to. Yeah. That's where they see what it is, and I guess it was a 30 percent or something, which is really bad. Uh, some of the best-reviewed movies on there, I don't think have even gotten 100, but they're 96 or 97. I don't know if anything's ever gotten 100 before. There will be 10 or 20 people that write in saying, yes, yes, uh, this movie, that movie, this movie, probably all Marvel movies, got hundreds, so you don't know what you're talking about. I'm saying straight out, I don't know if any movie's got 100, but I think it's very difficult to get it. And I think that 
probably means that it has to have all positive reviews. And I just don't know, even if you have the greatest movie uh, of all time, I don't know that everybody is going to, because we're human beings. So everybody has their own feelings on what's good or what should have happened or what could have happened. And when you have a movie like this, it's very divisive. It's because it's, 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 everyone has their idea of who these characters should be. And there's several characters that get to be portrayed. So for each one, Every single person either thinks they're okay with it or that wasn't Superman or that wasn't Batman or that's the perfect Batman or that's the perfect Superman or you have people somewhere in between. But but no one is going to feel universally that this was the perfect this or the perfect that or the worst this or that. So when you see early reviews as you were talking about and it seems like all of the – whoever they are – that got to put the reviews up to get that 30% didn't just seem to hate the same things universally. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Uh, I, most of the time I laugh at that sort of thing and I think it's goofy, but it does really start to make you think that something's going on because that early before it's even released, it almost seems like a sabotage, like mm. trying to, and all saying the same sorts of things. And I've mentioned this a couple of times and, I know a couple of guys who consider themselves reviewers. Uh, from what I can tell, they're as much a reviewer as you or I are. We're not necessarily paid for it. We don't work for a professional organization where that's our job. Uh, but we can talk about it. We can review it. We can have our thoughts on it. And that's kind of what I think these guys are. Some of them have their own websites, but they're not, you know, they're not paid by, they're not a professional. And even some of them might be freelancers for a website. But my thinking is if you're Richard Roper, you're a professional critic. You're a professional movie reviewer. You're getting paid for it. People know you because of it. That is your profession. If you're online and you're a fan or not a fan or somebody who just reviews movies on YouTube, you're not a movie reviewer. Everybody can be a movie critic. Everybody can uh, critique anything, can critique a television show, a book they read. But that doesn't make you a critic or a reviewer. Zack Snyder came out and said, listen, this movie wasn't made for the critics. And uh, one of my critic friends who does his own critic thing, who isn't actually a critic or a reviewer and doesn't do it as a profession, uh, wrote up, no, Zach, that's not how it works, buddy. That's like saying your homework wasn't done for the teacher, <laughs> uh, which just doesn't make any sense at all because it's your teacher expects you to do your homework. Your teacher gave you the homework. Your job as a student is to do your homework for school. My job as a filmmaker is not to please you if you're a critic. My job uh, would be much easier if I did please you because now I don't have to worry about whether or not people like sheep are going to stay away from the movie because everyone has universally panned it. The other problem is is that people are human beings and therefore even if they don't want to be can be subconsciously affected by all of this negativity. I have several fans who write to me saying, please, Scotty, tell me there's a reason for me to go. Please tell me that Superman isn't portrayed badly. Please, and apparently they've been, they were spoiled uh, by the plot. They haven't seen it, but they know things happen, and they say, please tell me this and this and that makes sense. Please tell me such and such doesn't happen for silly reasons. And 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 I have one guy who, who I still, I think, don't didn't go to see it yet. He just said, I don't think I'm going to go. I don't think I can take it um, because he's hearing such negative things. And a lot of it centers around who Superman is, uh, how he's portrayed, 
And I got to keep going back to what I remember. I haven't read any of the reviews for this one, the mm-hmm. ones that made the 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. But I got to go back to what I remember from Man of Steel and what I remember from all these same writers and all these same quote-unquote fans and all these same quote-unquote critics and all these Marvel people and everybody else. From the time Man of Steel was being made, before it was even out, all the way up until now, it's all similar stuff. Superman doesn't smile. There's no trunks. There's no Christopher Reeve. Uh, Christopher Reeve is rolling in his grave. Uh, Richard Donner would never put out something like this, which Lee and it's not Marvel. Don't expect a fun Marvel movie if you go to see this. It, it le- which leads me then to believe that most of these people made up their minds long before the movie was cast, long before it was written, and long before it was released that Zack Snyder can't make a movie. We like Marvel and we like the way it goes and we like seeing the same film and the same feel-good feeling and we like the jokes and we like not taking ourselves that seriously and we don't like darkness, so we're not going to like this. And they make that decision before they even see the film, so when they go in, not that some of what they say might not have merit, but they're looking for all that stuff. Mm, They're looking to pick up all those things. They're looking to say, see, no smile from Superman at any point. Uh, and so I don't know that we can – you know, it's hard to dismiss such a huge amount of negative reviewing. It's hard to say what they're all doing that. Uh, but it just seems like not only are they all doing that but but that some of them just take cues from others. Uh, one is witty in some of his negative criticisms. So another one wants to be more witty and they say some of the similar things and they go, oh, that review was so funny making fun of this movie. Now I got to make fun of it. And, and I, I liken it to when I took over the uh, – when I started doing the Superboy reviews, mm. I was very influenced by what Neil was doing on the Smallville reviews. And my first review that I submitted to you was long and it was snarky and it was sarcastic and I made fun of it. And that's what Neil did on Smallville. And and, and people even said, is this Neil? It seems like it's just Neil saying he stopped writing, but he's not. Um, And it wasn't, but it was very heavily influenced by that because I really enjoyed reading his reviews and I wanted to be funny like he was. And I think that's what happens with human beings. They they mimic other behaviors or they get influenced by other behaviors. And so you have all these critics going in there and trying to write – something that's going to be just as funny making fun of the movie Mm. as the last guy or something that's going to be the new meme or something that people are going to talk about or laugh about. And they, and they, and they, so they go in and try to one up each other, not to say they liked it and they're just making it up, but, but, but they go over the top like the last guy did. Yeah. And then for fans, you get influenced even if you don't want to, like I said, some people are so hurt by these reviews and so concerned that they aren't even going now. And so there definitely will be a drop-off next week. There always is a drop-off next week for whatever movie, but there's no way that this amount of bad criticism can help. No, it can't help, but uh, it's good to see that it's not hindering too much. I mean, as I was saying, it's getting some great uh, box office numbers. Uh, It is now um, the fourth biggest opening in global history for... Uh, that weekend, um, let me see, let me read some of the things. It's um, 
it's taking it's t- taken in 170.1 million at the US box office and 254 million overseas for a worldwide total of 424.1 million in its opening weekend, which is the fourth biggest opening in global history. For those uh, wondering, um, boxoffice.com confirms that 170.1 million domestic take is a new record for a March release, which was previously held by The Hunger Games in 2012, which had 152.5 million. Um, it's uh, also, I was reading, um, it's beat out Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows 2 to become the sixth biggest domestic opening bo- in box office history and the biggest Warner Brothers opening of all time, which I think is phenomenal from the company's point of view. Um, not only is, did Batman v Superman shatter the Hunger Games 152.5 million record for the best March opening of all time, but it also set the all-time best record for a pre-summer opening, and it also surpassed Furious 7's uh, takings to earn the biggest Easter weekend opening ever, and it's now the biggest DC Comics superhero movie, surpassing both The Dark Knight Rises and The Dark Knight itself, um, and is only now placed behind The Avengers, Age of Ultron, and Iron Man 3. For all t- for for t- for their entire run or for weekend opening, uh, says while Marvel still holds third, fourth, and fifth place on the list of biggest openings, thanks to the Avengers: The Age of Ultron and Iron Man three, Batman v Superman did a did yeah. So it's opening weekends we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that's great. Now, I, I think that the, the the theme of the day seems to be critics. Critics will say. But we knew it was going to have those numbers. Didn't matter what it was. Didn't matter if it was a good movie or bad movie. Didn't matter if uh, they put a blank screen up there. We knew that most of those numbers were probably people who bought tickets February 29th through March 24th and were planning on going. And they're not just going to throw their tickets in the trash. So they were going anyway. They could and, – and, and out of all that money that came in – if, if Rotten Tomatoes and all these critics are to be believed, over 70% of them will hate the movie and therefore will wish they hadn't spent the money on those tickets in advance and instead had waited for the reviews, which they then agree with. I'm not saying that's going to be the case. Hmm. I'm just saying if we'll Rotten Tomatoes is anything you can go by, <clears throat> yeah. uh, and we do know that a movie like this had so much hype and so much interest and so much excitement surrounding it that it was going to make that kind of money at least – Opening weekend, and as you said earlier, we now have to see what type of a drop off it's going to have going forward. Yeah, we'll wait and see, and we'll be, uh, you know, uh, honest and open about its numbers Uh, moving forward. We'll just have to wait and see just what those numbers are when you know further weeks um, numbers and box office takings come in. But um, let's talk a little bit of spoiler information here. So if you haven't seen the movie and you're listening to this podcast then please skip forward to another chapter of this podcast because we're going to talk about specifics of the film. For those who are still with us, here are some of the questions that I have, Scotty, and maybe you have some ideas, maybe you've read some things, maybe you have some uh, insight into how they're going to move forward. My biggest question is, okay, we have the death of Superman and we see the dirt moving on the coffin at the end, which indicates that, you know, there is a resurrection to come. But, and, and you can answer that because we don't know what death is for Kryptonians. We've had that in, in the Death of Superman comic books, the, the saga. 
from from the comics, but Clark Kent, how he has a funeral, he's buried. How do everyone knows that he died? The Daily Planet has, you know, how do you bring back Clark Kent? Um, <laughs> well, if you've read The Death of Superman, the problem that Steve is referring to is that in the Death of Superman comic book, they just say Clark Kent is missing. Yeah. He went down to the war-torn streets of Metropolis while the battle was going on. He disappeared. He never came back. Uh, that's because Lois was in charge of that, knew what happened, and got it set up that way. Um, and so, you know, and Clark makes an excuse when he leaves. I don't know that we saw that scene in the book, but he probably said, I'm going down there to cover the story. I mean, there were, a lot of, and- there were a lot of people who were still missing and were later found in the rubble of those buildings and, you know, and whatnot. Um, so it's it was... You know, a, a story, a cover story that was plausible and there were no questions asked because lots of people were being found days later after, you know, uh, in the recovery of uh, of the buildings and all that searching of the buildings. So, yeah, it, it, it made sense. It happened. Uh, but here, what do they do? Yeah. And in that, they didn't hold him a funeral. He was just missing. Mm-hmm. No one, assu- you know, they, they thought maybe he hope. was dead, but they didn't know. They have a body now. He was in Smallville now. There was a funeral. Uh, Alana and Pete were in the credits, although they must have been in a scene that was cut because I looked the second time and did not see them. Um, they must have been in the wedding procession or in the house. Funeral. Uh, maybe there was a scene where Martha talked to them. Who knows? But 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 it wasn't in it. And there isn't there is an older version of Pete. An actor played Pete in Man of Steel when he was working at IHOP. So they could have recast that same guy. I didn't check the name, but. There was a funeral and there was a body and people know he was buried. So my concern, and I didn't even really think of it until you just said it, which is why we have these things. This is just a great idea, Steve. We should do more of these. <laughs> um, is that, uh, you know, not a lot uh, before Batman v Superman had been played of Clark being Clark and having a job and being, you know, so we got to see some of that. People were saying uh, one of the bigger disappointments of Man of Steel was that there was no Clark. There was no dual person. There was no second personality. There was no glasses. There was no reporter. And that's a big part of his character. We got some of that in this, a lot more than some would think, you know, with the amount of action that's in this movie, that they had a lot of time Mm. for Clark to be Clark and go wandering around doing reporter things and being with Lois and that kind of thing. So that was good, but now my concern is does Zack Snyder go the Nolan route and 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 keep it really real? I know that the move he made in Man of Steel was Lois is going to know right away cuz it's just dumb that Lois wouldn't know. Okay. So so she knows that he's Clark, so the glasses don't fool her, which they probably wouldn't. Somebody that's that close to you, they're going to have a romance. Doesn't make sense that she wouldn't know. And but in this version, it's not like Lois and Clark, where Superman's in the Daily Planet newsroom every five minutes, and he's right up close with everyone, speaking in the same exact voice and talking to everybody and looking the same exact way. So that it would be very hard to buy that because he puts on a plaid shirt and some glasses that nobody would know it was him. So in this case. People surmise that maybe Perry knew at the end of Man of Steel, and I could see it maybe going that way, but he clearly doesn't. He says, where does he go? Where does he go, Jack? At that one <laughs> spot, which was very funny. And and so he doesn't know. So nobody knows, and it makes sense because Superman hasn't really had a personal connection with any specific human being. You know, mm-hmm. he flies in there. He looks like a 
an otherworldly being. People think of him as a god. He flies down. He saves you from your flooded home, and he drops you off, and you're crying, and you're just so happy that you got to touch a miracle. You're not thinking maybe he's some guy in another city that I never met, but people that would have personal relationships with him on the regular only exist in Lois. There hasn't really been anybody else that has been face-to-face with both Clark and Superman enough for it to be a problem, so the glasses still work. But now... Is he going to – Is is because I, I don't see any way out of it. So my thinking is that the Clark thing is over and I, I – I, that mm. a lot of fans are going to hate that and I don't see – I don't really see how they can get around it having um, had a funeral and, and uh, you know, although nobody from the planet was there and it probably wasn't big news. Uh, so I don't know, but if mm. it says Luz is one of our own and Morn's one of our own, maybe they never found a body or maybe it wasn't reported and the, the body was only for the people that knew him in Metropolis and, or in Smallville. So now uh, mm. he can come back and, and it'll just be them he has to tell, but it seemed like <laughs> a lot of them knew anyway. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. It's hard. It's hard. It's a uh, dilemma. It's, we're, yeah, we're in a situation. Yeah. And, and. As many mistakes as people say Zack Snyder makes, as much of a hack as people say Zack Snyder is, I can't imagine that that was an error. I can't no. imagine they were, oh, shit, now, we're in, uh, <laughs> now what are we going to do? Uh, so they must have purposely done that. It was written that way. That's yep. what they wanted to do, which begs the question why, because they could have done the exact thing they do in the Death of Superman comic yeah. and just had him not found. Yeah. Mm. Then there would be a body. You know, uh, Batman says, uh, Bruce Wayne says uh, the circus is going on and, and they don't even have a body over yeah, there in Metropolis. Yeah. They could have had a body They instead of having a Smallville funeral. But uh, the issue is, and, and I guess it, now that we've brought it up, it comes up about the book as well. And that is, being that he was dead, wouldn't Martha have wanted to have a funeral? So why didn't she have a funeral in the book? Why wasn't she, um, uh, you know, conversed with to see what the next move would be i think um, because the fact that the body had been taken by like in metropolis so i mean cat didn't cadmus try to take the, bo- the body straight away you know once he died in the streets of metropolis so she didn't have a body to bury as clark kent so um you know i, I guess that was you know where in this case the body went back to smallville and they had a clark kent burial with a coffin rather than uh, a Superman burial where the which you would empty. do if you could if yeah. you were the mother and you knew your son was dead you have no reason to believe he's not going to be undead you know? yeah. <laughs> it is it's not going to be dead later um, so you you know you want to have closure you want to have that funeral so it might have been better uh, had uh, the body not been taken back to small man maybe they couldn't avoid that as writers maybe they said well unless we're going to create a whole shadow organization and have this whole thing death and return of superman which doesn't seem like they're going to do we can't there's no there's nobody that would steal his body that then it would be gone and then he's going to come back Mm. and they so they were in a dilemma either way i don't know that they had anywhere they could go in the comics a lot of these organizations existed and these things we're already going on and there's a lot of backstory and a lot of history with lots of other shadow groups and things. Whereas in the movie, they're trying to keep it a little bit more uh, realistic or simplified, you know, buyable, buyable in that. Uh, why wouldn't we know, you know, in a Marvel movie, a giant 
flying hovercraft comes up out of the ocean and no one even bats an eye mm-hmm. and you know we're supposed to be watching our world but where have these been how did we not know about these mm-hmm. where are these and why doesn't anybody care so Yes, they could have done it, but again, there was a lot crammed into this movie already, and that would have had to have been... Uh, I might have done something like an after credit sequence, which we can talk about that, just the fact that there wasn't one. Uh, seems like they're just purposely not doing something like that, because there were a number of things I thought might have worked better, either after the film proper ended, or uh, after the first grouping of main credits or something at the end, but... Um, they would have had to write this whole story of, of the body stolen, and and, and uh, that might not have been a mystery they wanted to go to because yeah. they might feel like it would take too much time in the next movie. I'm also concerned uh, now that we brought up the Clark thing, and I really don't see a way out of it. Um, you know, write in, tell us if you have some ideas on that. But um, the other concern is that they're just gonna. They're just going to jump right into Justice League. We saw the dirt move. We know it's coming. We know he's coming back, and he's just going to be there. And we're not going to even get the gratification of, oh, you know, it's two, it's two years later now, and Lois and Clark are living together after Man of Steel, and we didn't even get to see the development of any of that or the direct ramifications of what happened after Man of Steel. And now I'm wondering, is it going to be another two years later and they're just there at the council table? You know, in the you know what Washington? I think will happen? I think the fact that Batman has said, look, we need to form a group. You know, we need to find these other metahumans. He tells Wonder Woman this, you know, we need to find other people like you. You know, we know that Aquaman, the Flash, Cyborg are all there to be gathered together. And Zack Snyder has said in interviews, you know, he's the one who's forming the, together the, the, sem- the seven samurais, if you like, or whatever the case might be. And he need, he says that they need to do that because obviously he's had these visions of uh, apocalypse or dark side or whatever the visions that he's having, uh, you know, with the future Flash kind of appearing to him and saying, you know, whatever that warning him about what's coming or what have you. We know that there's a bigger thing coming. There's a big whether it's dark side or whatever the case may be. It's all hinting towards dark side and apocalypse with parademons and the Omega symbol and this deleted scene that they've shown on YouTube now with what appears to be Steppenwolf, you know, having visited Lex or whatever the case might be. It's all pointing towards a bigger threat. And now that Superman's out of the picture, Batman's saying we need to gather all these other metahumans with powers because there's a bigger threat coming and we need to, you know, we don't have Superman anymore, so we need to, you know, gather as many people together to, you know, fight whatever's coming. Now I'm guessing that, you know, the big thing will happen in Justice League and they'll be gathered together and then they'll be fighting and they'll be losing and then, bam, Superman comes back to the rescue and, you know, so maybe half the movie in Justice League number one or whatever it might be called doesn't have Superman because he's not there. He's still presumed dead and it will be a big reveal of him having resurrected himself or come back to life or whatever the case may be to save the day in the big, you know, big impact that he needs to have in a justice league film i thought that exact same thing i thought how cool would it be if you know because they didn't do it with doomsday i'm a little miffed jeffrey taylor said a similar thing um he put up his review but it's a non-spoiler so i'm guessing we're going to hear about this when his spoiler review comes out and that is that it annoyed him because they're only going to kill him one time And this is Doomsday, and this is the big thing. And when you hear Doomsday and when you see Doomsday, you just assume that's what they're going to do. So when we saw him in the preview and we knew he was coming, everyone was saying, they're not going to kill him already. No one even likes him. No one even cares that (laughs) Superman is here. That would be a waste. 
So we kind of see some of that. No one even likes him. But we also see that there's a lot of people who do like him. And then at the end, we see that there's that whole turnout of people with candles. And there's a lot of people who understand, like I do, that now Superman has saved the world twice. And yes, if you look deeper, the world wouldn't even need saving if he didn't draw the Kryptonian stuff here. But once it did, he could have just said, well, I'm washing my hands and out of here. But he risked his life in the first movie and now died in the second movie, saving the world twice. A lot of people still complaining. Yeah, but he just stood there when the building blew up. He just cried instead of doing anything. He was, uh, you know, and then he says to Lois he knew it was there but didn't care. And I have to say, no, no, no. He did not say, I knew it was there, but I didn't care. That is not what he said. That never happened. But people remember things the same as they do with Man of Steel and say he didn't save anyone. He doesn't care about anyone. He leaps over a truck that explodes into an empty car garage. He didn't care. He doesn't care about damage. He doesn't care about the money it's going to cost. No, probably not. He doesn't probably take into account, oh, geez, this is going to cost somebody a lot of money when he's trying to keep his focus on Zod and stop him from killing all life on Earth. Probably the fact that an empty car garage got destroyed was not something he was thinking about. But... We're going to hear, you know, and we're already hearing it. I'm reading, you know, this film completely decimated Superman's character, completely took his soul away at the cost of his uh, morality. Uh, he uh, found, finally decides to find himself at the end. Uh, is there anyone he saves that this name isn't Lois? Uh, I can, I'm reading these things in little blurbs. I haven't read any of the full reviews, but people post them or I see a quote or I, you know, and I just, it, it annoys me. Obviously Lois played a large role in this and I found she was very heroic. She was going after things that she knew would help or that she knew she had to be involved in. And within those cases, she did get into trouble. And in a number of those cases, Superman was nearby. So it only makes sense that he would save her. But at the same time, we had a whole montage of him being shown saving people across the globe yep. and they did that whole scene where the girl was in the fire and he went there and saved her by the way none of those things had anything to do with superman being here or making a mistake and causing an explosion or jumping over an oil truck all of those things were things that would have happened because of our being alive on this planet and those people would have been dead but somehow the people who just can't get past whatever it is they can't get past, still say he doesn't care about anyone, he doesn't save anyone, uh, he only worries about Lois, and his entire morality is ruined in this movie. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, people are just going to be nitpicky for the sake of being nitpicky. They're just going to pull out whatever they want uh, just because they can't come to understand how this you know, cinema version works. So there are issues there, obviously. and there is, Like I said, it's not a perfect film, but... You know, I think Superman is well portrayed in this, and I really enjoyed the way that Henry Cavill portrayed Superman. And you know, the, the fact that he, you know, was very adamant about he's not a killer and he didn't kill these people, and, and it's all about Lex trying to portray him in a light that is, you know, detrimental to his public figure, and is trying to, um, you know, cast him, cast aspersions on his character, and it, and you know, that obviously is what the whole hearing is about. The... Don't even get me started on Henry Cavill. I'm not going to interrupt. Go ahead, but don't. <laughs> Now, um, 
the other questions that I have, let's look forward to some of these other questions. People I keep hearing people talking about, oh, this movie has so many plot holes. And now I don't really see a lot of plot holes. Yes, there are questions. Yes, there are things that were, are not shown. They're off camera. Uh, maybe that's what they're talking about as far as plot holes are concerned. Uh, one of the questions, or a couple, one of the questions I have, and there are a few, is how and when did Lex Luthor discover Superman's secret identity? Um, and now that he knows it and he's been captured and he's been incarcerated, won't he reveal the idea, his identity to the rest of the world? I mean, I know Clark's dead now, so it maybe doesn't matter, but wouldn't, Lex, wouldn't that be something Lex would share with the rest of the world? But like I said, maybe it doesn't matter now anymore. Well, again, you bring up some interesting things that I did not even consider. Not that I didn't consider Lex, but that I didn't really think about what they were going to do with Clark going forward until now. Building upon that, if Clark isn't going to exist as an alternate persona, in other words, he's still Clark, but he's not going to be hidden at the Daily Planet doing a job. If he's going to be Superman, but everyone... Uh, that knows Clark died will not see Clark again. They could just, he could just say, yes, I'm Clark Kent, which I haven't seen the finished product of what was going on in the comics yet, or maybe it hasn't finished yet, but they have that same problem in the comics right now, as far as I know, unless it's been wrapped up. And if it has been wrapped up, I can't even imagine how that the whole world did know that a guy named Clark Kent was Superman. So, they could just go ahead with that, which is a is something fans really don't want to see happen because everyone kind of likes the the dual persona uh, and and has already been to an extent bothered that Lois knows and that it just kind of there was no triangle or anything like that, which oftentimes is a big part of the character and a big part of the story. Not necessarily the most realistic part, but it is something that oftentimes goes on for years and years and years before Lois knows or before it gets revealed or whatever. And now it seems like he's going to have to say, yes, I'm back. Um, I saved the world again. Uh, it's just what I do. And uh, by the way, I'm also Clark Kent, I, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. It's hard to know where, you know, what, where they might go, what they might do. Um, the other thing that I wasn't sure about is when did Superman discover Bruce Wayne was Batman? I don't remember if they showed that in the film. No, well, somebody mentioned that to me, and um, it's not specifically revealed to us at any point, but he is able to see through like, things. He, yeah. he wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't he, imagine Batman has any lead on his uh, initial... Bat suit, yeah, maybe no. on the on the combative uh, armored suit, he, it might be made out of lead or what have you. But yeah, you would you would imagine that early on, uh, he wouldn't even think about Superman discovering his secret identity, and so it 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 just wasn't shown. But you know, we do know that he knows because um, it's something that is revealed later on, but it's not actually ever discussed that he does know it. But uh, an interesting. It is one. something he flies down and says Bruce when yeah. he goes to see him. Yeah, that's right. But so you way. might it might take you out and you might go well there's a plot hole i don't think it is uh, other than you could say they should have shown it but 
I have heard people say, and I don't study filmmakers. I don't study directors. I don't study screenwriting. I don't look at movies that way. I look at it for from an enjoyment standpoint and whether I liked it or not. And sometimes I'll come away and say, wow, the the scenery in that was really beautiful or the mm. effects were great or I really liked the music. But I don't really go beyond in terms of Studying, studying how yeah. a filmmaker puts something together, I have heard people say, and I have seen a couple of Zack Snyder films, I, I wouldn't say I'm a Zack Snyder fan. Um, I only watched these movies because they had Superman in them. I saw Watchmen because it was a superhero movie. I don't believe I've seen any. I saw 300 years ago because it was kind of a rage at the time and people were seeing it and it was out there. So I saw it. Um, I don't go to that many movies anymore. But I go to the ones that have something that I want to see in them. I'm not going to go to the next Zack Snyder film that's not related to this unless it looks like something I want to see. So I don't follow directors. I don't know what their deal is. I don't know what they're doing. But I've heard people say Zack Snyder's the kind of director who doesn't tell you everything, which can be a negative or can be a positive. But I heard that the person that I heard say this didn't say it negatively, said he kind of put stuff out there and it's pretty clear but he doesn't spell everything out. He expects the audience to be vested enough in watching the film that they're going to be able to figure out what's going on. Now, I could see a critic or someone who wanted to be negative on that or even myself saying, well, that can only go so far. You can't just put a couple of guys in there and have them mumble incoherently and have me understand what happened. But I don't think it goes that far. I think this could be one of those examples it could be listen you guys know who superman is you see him listening to bruce wayne's conversation with alfred you hear him call him alfred multiple times Mm. you know that he's following him you know that he's watching him why wouldn't he have looked uh, with and then i had somebody say well he hasn't had x-ray vision in this universe i don't even know if it's one of his powers but he has he does uh, we saw it happen in Man of Steel. Yeah. He has not used it. I will say that it has not been, it has not been something that has come into play, to where they focused on it or where they've used it, other than in Man of Steel, when it seemingly just sprouted when he was a child. He saw through everyone's bodies. Then someone said, "Well, I thought that was just his hearing, and he was hearing their organs and everything." And I said, "Well, he sees their muscles. He sees their bones. He sees down to their organs." Uh, he sees them through the door when he's in there. They're all going, what's wrong? He's a wimp. He's crazy. He's a freak. He sees them. That was us seeing his x-ray. I'm going to be nice here. I'm just going to say, for those of you who don't remember that or who didn't think that was his x-ray vision, it was. Now, <laughs> <laughs> then he uses it in the ship when Lois gets hit. He looks at her. He says he got internal bleeding. Yeah. There's no blue beams. He, they don't show her body separating him see it. He just looks at her and says, you have internal bleeding. If I don't do something, you're going to die. And, and before you write me and says he doesn't say that, he says, if I don't do something, and he shakes his head, uh, if I don't fix this. So the imp- – and, and if, as, Zach, as a Zack Snyder hater, you could say, if I don't do something, what? If you don't fix it, what? Oh, you're not going to tell us? Well, that's a plot. <laughs> Um, he indicates that she will die if he doesn't fix the internal bleeding, which he then does with his heat vision. But how did he know she had internal bleeding? He probably used his x-ray vision. We don't see that happen. So the reason I bring it up is because I think this is an example of yeah. Zach just expecting you to understand. If you never heard of Superman before, 
and you don't know that he has x-ray vision and you didn't get that he could always see through things once that happened when he was a child, maybe you would be confused by that. But I don't believe that all these reviewers and people who love superheroes don't know that Superman has x-ray vision. So it seems to me that it can be fairly certain assumption that he looked through Batman's mask at some point. Yeah, not only that, even when Batman is going, and like Alfred's in his ear and he's talking and he's looking for that uh, at the at Lex's fundraiser, and he's looking to attach his little equipment computer thingy to, you know, le- steal Lex's files. He's watching Bruce Wayne do that. He's not watching Batman do that. So, and you know, he knows that uh, Bruce Wayne is doing something, and and you know, so he is obviously connected the to the fact that I'm guessing then that Bruce Wayne and Batman and all that kind of stuff that there is something about Bruce and. Obviously, yeah, I'm guessing later on uses X-ray vision on him, but it was just interesting to to, to try to figure out when in the movie uh, he came to that connection. And it might have been nice to see him mm. as a reporter, or a de- to, you know, Batman's the detective, but as a detective himself piecing things together. But I think it was one of those things where it's assumed they just didn't want to get into it. I mean, yeah. uh, he knows he's Superman. He knows things. Uh, he heard him talk. You know, we see several parts of scenes where he is investigating Bruce Wayne Mm. Um, and and he's talking to a guy who's saying, you know, uh, he's saying, Alfred, I can't stay here forever. And so he had suspicions about him. And when he stops him from chasing those guys, do you bleed? You know, that scene. um, I'm sure he uh, could have easily taken the opportunity to uh, look through the mask and, and know who was there. Uh, oh, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, you could say it's something that's not shown. That is a true fact. We do not see him discover. So if that bothered you as a plot hole, not you, but whoever yeah. it is saying plot holes, um, I, I guess you have a point. Um, it didn't really – I just said, well, I mean, okay. Yeah, uh, it's just, not, it's a, you know, it's if not, I knew not he critical. was Batman – then you go, well, how did he know he was Batman? <laughs> um, because I don't, there's no reason I would know that. I wouldn't have heard his conversation with Alfred. I wouldn't have been able to look through his mask. I don't have all of the, the pieces. tools at my disposal, <laughs> disposal that Superman has. So I'm okay with that. Uh, that that makes sense to me, that, yep. that there were plenty of ways he could have. Now, the... Some of the things that I really enjoyed about this film, and one of the things that's always kind of um, fascinated me, and I found a, a, a bit strange as a fan, was the fact that Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne both had a mother called Martha. Now you think that's a coincidence, writers didn't really think it through, maybe Martha was a very common name back in the 1930s, whatever the case might be, but it actually plays a very pivotal and important role in this film, and I think that's kind of genius in a way that they that they did that, and the fact that Martha, Lois, Wonder Woman, the women in this movie are really the backbone of the film. They really are the pivotal characters to the Batman v Superman fight. You know, the whole thing, the whole way it evolves. The, you know, I mean, Lois comes in and saves Superman. Um, uh, Wonder Woman comes in and saves Batman. Uh, you know, Bruce, ha- or Batman has to go save uh, Martha. It's, you know, it's just, there's... All the women are so pivotal to this thing, to this movie, to this story, that they are really are the backbone of the film. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree that they have a 
they have, and I, and I love it. I mean, they have a huge presence. They, mm. they really drive major portions of the story. Now, because people want to be negative, mostly what I hear, and that's because it seems like most of the reviews are bad, is that, uh, yeah, Amy Adams is fine, but really just a damsel in distress in this movie. She gets into trouble three times. He saves her three times. They don't mention, yes, but because she's doing something pivotal to the movie. She's not just uh, falling off a building on her own. She's not uh, drowning uh, because she happened to slip. She, you know, She's doing heroic things that are driving the plot. Yes. Someone said to me, that's stupid. How do, how does Lois know that this thing's Kryptonian and that she needs that kryptonite to to do anything? How, that's dumb. They just, they just wanted to have Lois drown again so he could save her. So, uh, and again, for those of you who maybe feel this way or didn't get that Lois is kind of smart, she surmises that. The thing that came out of the Kryptonian ship that's beating up all the superheroes might possibly be Kryptonian in nature and thinks maybe this spear will come in handy and I just threw it away, so I'm going to go get it, which is a heroic thought. Whether she's wrong or not, she's probably she, she happens to be right. <laughs> she's going to get it because she thinks that it might be necessary and she ends up being right. She threw it away. Somebody said, why'd she throw that in the water? I couldn't even believe I got that question. <laughs> because it was hurting Superman. <laughs> I mean, um, well, yeah, but she could have, you know, taken it somewhere or done something with it to make sure that, you know, Batman didn't change his mind or whatever. I said, well, that kind of is what she did. I mean, she's there, stuck on this island in the middle of a trashed city, you know, uh, building, whatever that thing yeah. was. She had nowhere to take it. Uh, she threw it away to get it away from Superman. Yeah, she threw it down the deep this hole she could find, which is like <laughs> a deep water well or whatever, you know, I mean, where no one's going to yeah. find it. Right, yeah. And then, of course, she needed it again, which is ironic. But um, So then she jumps in, and, and there's a battle. She would have been fine, but there's a battle going on, which knocks the rocks onto top, on top of her, and she yeah. can't get out. Not just because she's a damsel in distress and we need Superman to save her, although he did save her a number of times. Um and again, the thing in the desert, she was on a story. That's what she does. And someone said, why does he not bother to save Martha, but he saves Lois? How did Lex not know that, that he was going to come for Martha? He knows that when he pushes Lois off the building, Superman's going to come, or at least he has enough confidence in it that he doesn't care if Lois splats on the ground because mm. he pushes her off regardless no one's seen Superman for a while. The last time we saw him was in a hallucination with Jonathan. So was he really out in the Arctic or was that just a memory of one time when he was in the mountains with his father? Because Pa Kent says, you know, that's us Kents. You know, we uh, work on the farm all year and then we come out here to climb mountains. So was there a time when he was younger where they did that and he was just remembering that conversation? Um, was Clark having a dream like, like Bruce has all those times? It was different because 
Clark went there, was walking there, came across him, had a conversation, and then said, I miss you too, and he was gone. It wasn't like he woke up in bed or mm. he was at a computer or he was it's staring off in space. It's almost like a memory that was imprinted it, on where he was. It almost seemed like it. So probably he wasn't in the Arctic when Lois got pushed off the building, which means he was probably sulking somewhere, which I guess might be a complaint people would have that, this, that Superman doesn't sulk. Superman is proactive, and if there's a problem, he still keeps coming and doing what he's supposed to do. There's okay. Plenty of times in the comics where he's gone off. You know, the death of Clark Kent. He decides, I don't want to be Clark Kent anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go be a fireman or whatever the case might be. There's been plenty of comic book stories where he's gone off and decided he can't do this anymore. He doesn't want to do this anymore. And, you know, go soul searching or, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, anyway. Yes, the everyday Superman is a happy. Um, confident, proud, heroic person who is proactive in the community, saving people and stopping crime. But but yes, in stories for drama, for emotional impact, and for conflict, there have been, as Steve says, many times where he has been heartbroken or hurt or felt like he wasn't good enough because no matter what he does – it still seems bad. And that's really what I got watching this movie. And people said, well, you know, he actually thought about it or whatever. He does go to Lois and say, I have to convince Batman to help me or he has to die. No one stays good in this world. And it's it's a regretful statement and it, it sucks that he has to say it. And a lot of people just won't accept a Superman that even considers that or has, has a, a conflict in his own mind or is not sure what the West, you know, I hear people say Superman always knows Superman always has a second way out. Superman always has a better way. Superman, you know, there's never any, this is the only thing I can do with Superman. There's like with Zod snapping his neck, the Superman would have found another way. That may be true, but it's a little more realistic. It's a little more emotional. It's a little more dramatic and it's a little more, it humanizes him, which I've read the books all my life, so I know that he has emotional conflicts. I mm. know that he has to fight sometimes to not smash somebody. Um, but a lot of people won't accept, oh, Superman just doesn't get angry. Superman doesn't think that. Superman doesn't want to hurt anyone. Superman would never be mean to somebody. He is not mean to people because he works on not being mean to people. He fights the urge to break someone like Lex Luthor. He, you know, is good because he knows it's the right thing to do. And mm. I found in this movie, I found him struggling with humanity because they were being so hard on him. And I found Martha heartbroken because they were being so hard on him. And people have again, chastise Martha the same way they did with Jonathan Kent in the first movie. And I still think that's a misunderstood situation when he says maybe. He's not really saying let children die. He doesn't know what the answer is, and he's worried about his son. Same thing here. Martha's pissed off because Superman has put himself out there to be judged, has saved people, has saved the world, and he's getting this is what he's getting in return. And so she, as a mother, is saying, you know, screw, uh, screw them. <laughs> exactly. Um, and people have said that's not Martha. That's out of character. I don't think his parents were good in this uh, franchise at all. 
and they are a little bit different. They're not they're not complete uh, goody two shoeses. That doesn't mean they're doing bad things. It just means that they're not they're not just saying, well, you just have to be whatever anybody wants you to be and be good and do it. You know, they are guiding him. They are giving him advice. They are saying, you know, you have to decide what you want to do and what you want to be. And in this case, he's being, you know, people are throwing tomatoes at him on a regular basis and she's, and he's hurting and he goes to her and he says, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And she tells him, (laughs) I mean, um, she just wants him to know that it doesn't matter what they say. Mm. You're doing what you're doing and you can do it or not do it. Yeah, it's up to you. And I think it's okay. It's not necessarily the traditional knitting Ma Kent who just says Yeah, she's not I a Norman, she's not a Norman Rockwell painting. No. So she's a person, she's human, she has feelings, and she's hurt that her son is hurt. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense to me. And the way I saw Superman in this, as you said, he's the hero you want him to be. It, he's not. He's not smiling. You know, he's not super happy. But listen, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's yeah, and not only that, but there are some terrible things that happened in this movie. When was there a time for him to sit around and smile? And I said he does smile in the movie. He smiles when he's with Lois in the apartment. Yeah. That and he smiles when he's about to die. He smiles when he's holding kryptonite and says, you're my world. I have to do this. Yeah. He's, he's, he is satisfied in that moment that he's doing what he has to do and that he's making the right decision and he feels good about it. Mm. And I can see that on his face. He yeah. doesn't want to do it. But he knows it's the right thing to do. You know, and yeah. I think Superman comes across that way in this movie. Uh, obviously, not everybody thinks that way. And I have... Heard from a number of fans on Facebook, not to me directly, you know, like I said, about his soul being destroyed, his character being destroyed, his morality being destroyed. Um, and, and I get I, – I, for me, I get it if you don't like a movie. I understand. Mm. And if you're a critic and you wrote a review and it's negative, you're entitled to do that. What I don't – there's two things that I was going to say. One is I'm not really certain – how their mind is working when they're watching it. I, I honestly don't know what they expect. If, if if they go in thinking, I really want to see the Christopher Reeve, Richard Donner version of Superman, and if I don't see that, my mind's not going to be able to 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 comprehend or okay. follow or get what they're trying to give me in this movie. The truth is, and this is not an opinion. The truth is. The Richard Donner films are very simple. They're not complex. There's no, you know, uh, conflict of conscience in them. There's no, there's no uh, big worldly decisions that need to be made. There's no politics. There's no, you know, real world implications. It's bad guy versus good guy. There's a little action, and there's romance with Lois. That's really it. So they're fun. They got great music in them. You know, that's an opinion. Maybe they don't. Maybe you don't think they're fun. Um, but but it's not an opinion that obviously that film and these films are very, very different in what they're trying to do. And it's a very different time and films are being made differently. 
The argument can be made that the Marvel films are much closer to those Christopher Reeve films than these films are. And I think that sometimes when you go to see a movie like this, you can't rationalize why this is so different from the other comic book movies that are going on. Even for the critics who are supposed to be professionals that are getting written, getting paid to write reviews on the film they're seeing. I've actually read reviews for children's movies where they say things like, well, maybe if you were 12 years old, you'd enjoy this. And the movie was made for 12-year-olds. So if you're a critic going in to watch Spy Kids, you can't write that if you were a kid that you would enjoy it because that's who's supposed to enjoy it. Mm. So the, the thing that I find really frustrating is that I I love the Christopher Reeve films and I love these films and I don't understand why people can't have both. I don't understand why people have to keep being on one side or the other. Like, you know, if if you it's, it's almost like you can't like these films uh if you like the Christopher Reeve films or if you like these films, then you've got to be negative about the Christopher Reeve films. You can enjoy all of them. You can enjoy the comics, the cartoons, the TV shows. You can enjoy Lois and Clark and Supergirl. You can enjoy them all. You don't have to compare them or put one up against the other or make them try to fit with those the same ideals. They're all separate versions and all valid versions of the characters. Just enjoy them for what they are and stop trying to fit them into the pigeonhole that is existing in a different time or a different era or a different project. They're different. It's like saying George Reeves and Christopher Reeve or, or Kirk Allen and you know, Dean Cain. Or it just, they're all different. They're all valid for their time. And as a fan, you can sit back and enjoy them all without having to pan one or the other. Well, let me throw something crazy at you. How could you possibly enjoy Adam West... And like any Batman film that has been out. (laughs) I mean, so if it's good, if it's going to go that way with Superman, why doesn't it go that way? That's, that's what I wonder. Why doesn't it go that way with other characters? Why can Batman fans enjoy all their different iterations and know that they're different times, different eras, different subject matters, whatever the case may be. Yet for Superman fans, everyone wants to go nuts and go, no, you can't, that's not Christopher Evil. No, there's no red S on the cape, the yellow S on the cape, and the boots are the wrong size, and the S is too small. And it's like, seriously, just kind of really, I mean, it's as a person who's sat here at this desk doing the Superman homepage for 20 years or more, and just it's just the most frustrating thing as a person running a website where there's comments and social media now and everything like that to see that Superman fans are so divisive and so ridiculously minuscule in their thoughts about what can and what can't exist together. And, and not all, it, not all. Not all, not all. No, it's a very vocal minority. I, I understand that. It's just so frustrating to sit here on the other side of the screen and go... Seriously, why are we doing this again? Why do why do we have to? Do and it's every time, right? Every time. It's, Superman returns. Into... Man of Steel. Batman v Superman. In if the row. internet existed when <clears throat> Superman the movie came out, it would have been the same thing. Oh, the Fortress of Solitude doesn't look like that. Where Krypton doesn't have glowing crystals. What's going on here? Uh, I mean, listen, I I I remember it. You know, not probably not as well as you because, as you say, you've been dealing with the website all this time, but. That's one of the reasons why I just wish and I, I hope that going into the next week that, that people don't validate these critics by just not seeing the movie 
because they're saying that it's bad mm. uh, and, and why, why, and why the, the people will attack me and say, well, you're just attacking them because they don't share your opinion. That's not it. And sometimes I may get emotional because again, I'm a human like we all are and I may get defensive. Um, I may get frustrated like Steve was just saying, and I may lash out and say, stop being an idiot. But, <laughs> but the truth is the reason why I can't lend validity and, it's, it's maybe not even incredibly fair because there's no way I could possibly read all the reviews. But I, I read enough snippets and more. I read more with Man of Steel because I was so excited and I was convinced. I convinced myself it's wishful thinking and it's probably it, it's probably dooming me to see failure every time. I hoped uh, that Man of Steel would be the biggest movie of all time and that it would you know break all box office records and that everyone would love it and it would put – Superman at the top again, and that has not happened, so I was very disappointed. But I remember when that was coming out, all of the reviews were so similar, and so many of them mentioned uh, how uh, it's sure as hell isn't Christopher Reeve, or, uh, you know, uh, you know Richard Donner hasn't had anything to do with this, which could be negative or positive, but in their case, they were saying, you know, where's Richard Donner when you need him? I would see things like that. And that's okay. That's great. You love those. Okay. And you cannot like these. That's fine. Um, but it but it it almost seems like they go in before they've even seen it, knowing what they're gonna write when they come out. Yeah. Because they know that's what it is. And they don't they don't just let themselves watch what it is. And sometimes uh, now the new theme is human. Sometimes being human means that you can't do that. You mm. you you cannot be objective. You don't have that ability. Something is so close to your heart and so close to your mind. And in our culture, you know, when you were talking about it, it came across to me that that could be that it's it's hurtful in this case, but it's also fantastic. It's also amazing because Superman gets singled out. But why does he get singled out? He gets singled out because those so movies important. back then – means so much mm. to all these people. Even these critics who aren't huge Superman fans who visit a website every day. To it's them, psyche. yeah, it's so ingrained. That's what a superhero film is. That's what a hero is. That's the actor who should be the hero. That's the way it should be written. Mm. That is the movie. That's the music we need. And I love that music. And I love those movies. You know, you love them for different reasons. And they are a part of my childhood and they are ingrained in me. And I sing that song probably daily. I don't sing the Man of Steel theme daily. There's not much there to walk around singing. But after I saw Batman v Superman, the whole next day driving the bus, I sang that theme because it was used to such a great you know, way. It was used mm. in such a great way in, in Batman v Superman. It was used so – it was used somberly. It was used heroically. It was used dramatically. It was used to express the feeling that you feel when Superman saves everyone at sacrifice to himself. Mm. And I'm, I'm going – I'm playing the, the shot in my mind and the way the music plays and, and then when the dirt lifts on the coffin and I'm, and I'm tearing up again and I'm not even in the movie and I'm looking forward to my second – this was before I went to, yeah. the, to the see it the second time. And so I got excited and I realized that – my deflation after seeing it the first time wasn't necessarily because I didn't like it. And you have, sometimes you have to process, you know, 
And unfortunately, a lot of people don't see movies twice. It's money. You know, you go to a movie. I'm not going to pay money to see the same movie again. I get that. And and that might be hurtful to a to a, uh, a type of movie like this where I don't know if it's Zack Snyder or or if it just happens in, in different movies or whatever. But in this movie and with Man of Steel too, so that's where it seems like maybe it's maybe that's the kind of movie Zack Snyder makes. It almost seems like, and maybe I even have a turnaround if I watch the Dark Knight trilogy because I only watched them once and I just felt nothing from them or mm. I was bored or I feel like. I bequeathed people with Man of Steel, please go and see it again because I know as a fan and as a guy who did not go in saying if this isn't Christopher Reeve, I'm not going to like it. I went in loving the casting of Henry Cavill. I went in a little dubious to Amy Adams probably because of the hair color but that's kind of a silly reason, right? Mm. Um, And not being sure. There were no trunks. I get all that stuff. I understand it. You want everything to be what you expect it to be. But I didn't go in preconceived. I went in saying, I hope this is good. And mm. I and I at the end of it I thought, hmm, I'm not sure. Because I think that and this, Batman v Superman, are made differently. There's so much to think about. Mm-hmm. They are complicated. There are things going on that you have to kind of uh, you know reflect on. And digest. Yeah, and and I think the, the the Donner films were – like I said, they were simple. They had a simple plot. It was beginning to end. Something happened. He stopped it. It was over. Mm. After the fact, there was no like, well, how do I feel about that? Mm. Um, the fact that you know he turned the world backwards and saved Lois, do I feel like that's right? I, no. It was just amazing because it was something, wow, Superman is so great that he could turn the world back and Lois is still alive and – uh, this has a lot more that you kind of have to say, hmm, how do I feel about him saying, or he has to die? I, 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 not everybody stays good. And you could see in his eyes, he didn't want to believe that. He mm. didn't feel that, but he was, uh, he was Conflicted. unsure. He was uncertain and Martha was kidnapped and he didn't know what to do. Mm. Now, looking, I think that we, like, we could talk about this for weeks and we probably will, but... Um... <laughs> The the last thing that I want to touch on, and it wasn't specifically stated in the movie, it's there in the credits. Zack Snyder has admitted it in interviews, but that uh, Jimmy Olsen, he's there, it's him, you don't know it's him, uh, they could write it out if they wanted to. It could be Henry James Olsen, but he's a photographer there with Lois Lane in the African desert or whatever it is where they are, and he gets in the head and uh, supposedly he's gone. He was a CIA agent ma- pretending to be a photographer just to get into this scoop and to, you know, to be infiltrated there. And, uh, but it's not in the movie. It's not specifically stated. It's cut, I guess. I believe it might be an extended version. He's in the credits, has been admitted that he was Jimmy Olsen. Uh, could it be... Is that a big problem? Is it a... You know, people going, that's it. It's destroyed the movie for me. I didn't. I wasn't sure how I felt about it before, but now that I've seen that and heard that, that's it. That's 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 the last straw. Well, I believe that would be unfortunate um, if that's what they just decided to do. Kind of use him as a throwaway character, just I guess for fan service. Uh, what's interesting is, and I, I said this um, to Michelle when we uh, when I read this report that that I didn't see it in the credits. But 
that when when they were there and when I was watching the scene, the way they introduce this character is with a camera. Hmm. Uh, I don't think they even show him until you see the camera for, or if they do, he's in a group, he's in a crowd. But when you get introduced to him, when the camera, when the movie camera moves in on him and he's going to become a part of the scene, they start with a big camera in front of his face and the guy knocks it away. So when I saw that, my mind went to, Hey, I wonder if that's Jimmy Olsen. Then when they knocked the camera out and he had this beard and he was older and he was gruffy looking, I thought, no, probably not. And then when they killed him, I it completely dismissed it. Um, and now I'm hearing that that's that is the case. Uh, and it may sound like I'm saying that now because it is, but but that is what I thought when I saw it because mm. Lois and Jimmy always go on these things together, and he's got the camera and um, and and uh, they're reporting together. But uh, I did think that, and I, I was it doesn't ruin the movie for me, but it is one of those things where. Like with the Nolan Batman films, I would I would say things like Nolan really doesn't like the universe. He mm. is using these characters and making a movie, but he's making it as far away from what these characters are and what, what the universe is that they live in as he can. Not to say that all the fans who think this is this is you know Batman are, are wrong, but from what I've read and from what I've seen. In the comics, not that everything has to be comics. That's the other thing I've heard. Oh, these fanboys, they want comics, comics, comics. It has to be exactly like the comics. Not That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he wanted it to be as far away from comics as he could. And that was the plan. It has been said many times. We wanted this to be real Batman. We wanted this to be what it would be if, if Batman was real. So, in, in so they went so far as to not call anybody by their comic book names as often as they could. Occasionally, it'd be in a newspaper or something. And they do that same thing in these Snyder films. They'll say, they'll, they'll have it, it'll be printed in a newspaper that someone is called something, but not ever said. Mm. Like, and, it, and I get it. Sometimes it feels cheesy if someone jumps down and goes, well, I'm Superman, you know, like in Man of Steel. Mm. Somebody kind of said it as a one-off. It was kind of a joke. In Superman Returns, uh, Perry said truth, justice, and, and, and you know, all that oh, stuff. Fuck. And people got up in arms about that um, because it doesn't necessarily feel like something somebody might say or something somebody might refer to. So they leave it out. So in the Nolan films, that was that was taken to the nth degree. Uh, Catwoman is never referred to as Catwoman. They do say it at one point in a newspaper or on his computer or something, but she's just Selena because they they don't want to. Same with the costumes on TV. They they decolorize them. They make a much more flak jackety like Arrow stuff is more like real world wearable stuff. It's not. You know, bright green Robin Hood costume, which probably wouldn't work, and I'm I'm okay with that. But so I wonder if this is this is another step in that direction. Like, but but why? I mean, Jimmy could be you could make Jimmy a darker, more realistic version without having to have him come in for two seconds and get shot in the face. So mm, I, I could certainly reasoning. see people being turned off by that. Yeah. And, but it doesn't, again, I, it doesn't ruin the film. It's just kind of an unfortunate thing that uh, I'd be kind of mad about. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why they would need to do that. And, and it clearly seems like that is what they did. So I guess I am mad about it. Why? I mean, why? <laughs> I, yeah. I'd understand the reasoning. And I, I think he was saying that Jesse Eisenberg was originally going to be Lex Luthor and, you know, how, how cool or how, Maybe. 
uh, sorry, it would be uh, Jimmy Olsen. Uh, and he, in Zack Snyder was saying, yeah, imagine you know, Jesse Eisenberg coming on for, more, for only like five minutes and then getting shot in the head. You know, how wacky would that be? And, you know, how kind of in your face would that be that, you know, we bring in this great actor, but we only keep him there for five minutes and he gets shot. You know, like that would be just absolutely like in your face. That would just be wild. And so I guess that's where the original reasoning was. But then Jesse Eisenberg's cast uh, audition was so good that uh, Deborah Snyder said, hey, what if we put him as Lex? And that kind of that's where that went. And so the idea of Jimmy kind of stayed there being doing what they were going to do with him. But it ended up being a different actor and, and ended up in the theatrical version, not even being mentioned as Jimmy. So I guess we'll have to wait for the extended version to see if that, they put that in on the Blu-ray or not. And whether or not Jimmy gets introduced later on in some capacity or not, uh, you know, Smallville did it. They killed him off, and then they revealed that it was Henry James Olsen, who was Jimmy's older brother, and the real Jimmy Olsen hadn't even been uh, introduced yet. So, you know, anything's possible in movies and TV shows. Yeah, I mean, it would be odd. It was odd on Smallville. It would be odd again yeah. uh, if you if you. <laughs> As some people have said, well, we didn't actually see the bullet hit him. Mm, you just heard the bang go. see that he was dead, so maybe he didn't. I'm not sure why he would pretend to shoot a guy for our benefit, but mm. if that were the case. And then I heard, and, and this, with that being Jimmy, that this, this brings uh, the criticism a little more credence, and that is if... If people have said, couldn't he have arrived? The whole plot would have been stopped had Superman arrived two minutes earlier because he would have stopped all those people from being shot. Why does he only come at the very end after everyone's already dead? And now, with this being Jimmy, if he knows that Jimmy works with Lois and he knows that they're on this... you know, Someone said, well, how did he know to go to the desert there and save her? And I said, well, he must have been busy but he knew she was on this mission and he was on his way to check on her and he heard the gunfire so he went faster that's what superman does with lois that's true and you may say well that's not very heroic he's only worried about her but that's not true either because he's out doing other things and then he when he gets a minute might go and look in on her or might save her but he's also you know in the in the donner film he misses saving her because he's he's saving other people hmm. and, and then he turns back time because she's dead <laughs> that's <laughs> like, right everybody so, else is dead already too but it's only because of lois that he turns back time he doesn't turn it back far <laughs> enough to stop the earthquake he only turns it back far enough to to, to save her that's right but a, but a nice a nice side effect of that is that he did save all those other people too i guess um but yeah so that being said if it is and it is based on the credits why doesn't he come sooner to also save Jimmy, but he could have been, maybe he wasn't planning on coming. Well, he's not he Jimmy busy. Olsen, the Daily Planet reporter. He's Jimmy Olsen's CIA agent, so he doesn't really even know Jimmy. Right. Well, unless unless Jimmy's like, it's possible he was like, he came in under the guise of being a freelance photographer and therefore mm. was only on this particular trip because he's in disguise. Uh, he's a spy mm. in disguise. But I don't know that it's really going to be developed upon. My no. understanding is that we're going to get a uh, 30 minutes of Batman breaking more necks and beating up more people because that's where the R rating comes from, the violence, um, which isn't something I'm I, I'm kind of excited about seeing a longer cut, but, but yeah, knowing that I don't it's going to be mostly all, Batman. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Zack Snyder in another interview said that it's actually all over the film. There are little bits and pieces here and there. And if you open up the Batman v Superman 
art of the film book uh, and have a look through that if you haven't bought it have a look at it at your local bookshop um, there are a lot of photos there of Lois um, going through some kind of a, a warehouse where there's um, you know uh, different things hanging from the ceiling Batman Superman shapes with um, like a gun uh, what do you call it like uh, uh, targets on them uh, there's a scene of uh, Lois and Clark in in their apartment that's not in the film so there are actual you know f uh, scenes that are in this art of the film book that aren't in the movie that I'm guessing will be in the extended cut that comes out on blu-ray that aren't just Batman fighting more well that would be good yeah. but all of the scenes that were cut probably won't be in anyway no. uh, a lot of scenes get cut from a lot of movies and don't necessarily ever get added back in yeah. or even I've you know you would think you know with the advent of DVD and all that that on the special features when you buy like a you know with Man of Steel yeah the bonus uh, material that, that was a big set and it really didn't have much by way of bonus material yeah they could have <clears> that deleted scene of them taking baby Clark to the doctors or whatever it was that they said they filmed and you know he mm -hmm. screams so loud that he shatters so many different things or whatever and that wasn't it was in the book it was in the novelization but it wasn't in the the film they said they filmed it but cut it out. Uh, you know, you'd think that some kind of a Blu-ray edition of The Man of Steel would have had that. Uh, like a lot of TV shows and movies, they put deleted scenes in there as bonus material that aren't going to be inserted into the film, even in an extended cut, but if they thought that you might like to see them anyway. Yeah, I mean, I have those X-Men films, and mm. there's 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 probably 10 or 12 scenes that weren't in the movie. And a lot of times you watch them and go, well, I can see why they cut that. So yeah. it makes sense. But some of them are interesting to see, or you see a character that was cast and then not in the movie, mm. uh, which uh, you know, it must have happened with Lana and Pete, which we still might not even see because they might not insert that scene. But they are in the credits, same as Jimmy Olsen is. And it's also possible that the Jimmy Olsen, they never say it even in, they never did film a scene where they say it, who knows. But it is interesting and it is a little Off a little ir irksome that they yeah. would have gone that way. Um, that being said, uh, as you say, I guess they could just decide that wasn't the case. The problem with that is there's evidence because it is in the credits. So. Mm. All right, well, like I said, we could go on for a week talking about Batman v Superman. There's so much more we could go into. Our reviews, or my review is up on the website. Scotty's done his Great Scott segment, video segment uh, from last week. So uh, check those out on the website. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more in depth. I'm sure I'll be talking about it on KAL Live with uh, Michael Bailey. So, uh, you know, it's it's there's a lot to discuss. And with Man of Steel, we've been doing it three years down the track, still talking about it. So uh, it is what it is. I've enjoyed it. Scotty enjoyed it. And uh, we hope you go out there and enjoy it for yourself as well. Yes, absolutely. I, I again, I'm not going to say, and I said to my family, and this was before I saw it the second time, so I kind of felt this way, but I'll say the same to you. I wasn't sure how I felt. You know, when I watched Man of Steel at the world premiere, I wasn't really sure how I felt there either, but I did come out saying that was really good. And then I went to all my friends and all my family and I was leaping up and down best superhero film ever, best Superman film ever. Awesome. You're going to love it. It's great. And then a lot of people that I said that to saw it and were kind of let down because mm. I think you can you build, build up. something up so much that they're expecting. I don't know. You don't even know what you're expecting, but almost nothing can live up to what your own imagination runs away with mm. when someone tells you something is that great so mm. exactly. i'm trying not to build this one up but i do i will say and i think steve agrees with me here that 
I feel like I'm on another planet when I when I see these negative reviews. I just don't. Again, yes, somebody can have a different opinion than me. Someone cannot like the movie, but I don't get these uh, reviews. I just don't understand how they can all be so similar in what they're uh, negative about and and so negative across the board. It just it it se- like you said earlier. I, it seems like they watched a different movie than mm. I did. Mm. I, even when I came out after the first viewing and wasn't sure. It was because I had to process. And it's also, it's not very, it ain't happy. I mean, it's not, it's not a, it's not like a feel good film. You know, you want to jump up and cheer when you see the end of a superhero movie. This is not that. It doesn't end in such a way. It really, there is the only, there are a couple places in the movie you could clap if you wanted to. You mentioned Wonder Woman being the biggest. She kind of gets the best introduction I've ever seen. Mm. It's very dramatic. It's very exciting. It's very cool. The music is great. Wonder Woman's music. Mm. Uh, and they play it every time she's on screen, even when she's Diana. And it's really just heroic and 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 just it, it inspires you when it happens. And I think I've heard many times Man of Steel wasn't inspiring. It's not very heroic. It's not very dramatic. And they've rectified some of that in this movie. And, and Wonder Woman definitely doesn't. She's not in it long, but she doesn't get short shrift in terms of being a strong superheroic really inspiring character mm. who shows up at a really great time and uh so where was i going with that the end of the movie you i could see how i would leave kind of going hmm i'm not really sure what i'm supposed to because you know you hear doomsday and you go well he's the one who killed superman so that's i guess that's what they're doing but then you go well they're not going to do that already you know uh, it seems too early and then they kind of do it in such a way that it's almost a throwaway situation it's very heroic but it's so quick and they're clearly not going to do the whole return thing so it's kind of a a letdown in terms of that but also the fact that he dies at the end of the movie doesn't give much room for celebrating no. anything so i could see even as a critic just coming away feeling so badly like my mom said, I hate movies like that. I was so mad when they killed him. So I could get that. You know, maybe if you don't if you don't, you know, realize how you feel and kinda go over it in your mind, if you just walk away and write your review, go and you know, and you're such in that bad place that the movie leaves you, you I could see a whole review being negative because you're miserable because mm-hmm. because it doesn't end happily. It doesn't end well, but not all movies do. No, exactly, and there is a future to it. It's not the last thing that we will see from this um, series of films. So uh, there is that. All right, let's move forward to the big question segment of our show. Yes, we are doing that. Let's start with the big question. Last month's big question was, what did you think of the new Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice trailer, which of course is... um, It was the last trailer that they showed. A long time ago, it feels like, because yes. we've all seen the movie now, but yeah. uh, it was the one <clears throat> where, the one after the one everybody hated with Doomsday. Right. Guthrie McLean uh, wrote, well, I'm not sure. It's not bad. In some respect, it's much better than Trailer 2 because it doesn't reveal too much, but I'm not sure what angle to look at this, whether it's Batman-centric or not. Clark and Lois' bathtub scene looks sexy, and boy, was it ever. That's not Guthrie, that's me. I couldn't even believe how crazy that was. As for the music, it seems slightly misleading because I don't think we'll hear that in the film. I just hope that neither Bats or Soups win. I really don't want either of them fighting. The Superman I know wouldn't hurt Batman. I just hope the movie succeeds. Hmm. Interesting to see how Guthrie feels 
now that he's seen the film. All right, Donovan Hunter says, I thought the final trailer was awesome. It was more of a Batman-focused trailer. It would have been cool if we got a Superman-focused trailer as well. But I knew WB would release this final trailer because a lot of people didn't like the Doomsday trailer. I'm guessing Warner Brothers thought Doomsday would get leaked. Warner Brothers should have released this final trailer instead. Hopefully Warner Brothers will realise less is more. Thanks again, Scotty and V. Hope you guys enjoyed the movie. Thank you, Donovan. We hope you've enjoyed it too. Absolutely. You know, uh, that's interesting because speaking of leaking, was it crazy that Jonathan Kent was in this movie? I mean, yes. were you? No, I was totally I mean, I blown away. I couldn't believe I, it was him. You would think that we would have heard that. You know, Kevin Costner's a pretty big name. He's a pretty big Hollywood guy. Yeah. Not that he does a lot anymore. He's not a huge star anymore, but he pretty much does whatever he wants. He shows yes. up in a movie if he wants. I had no, you know, you hear everything these days. What's going to be in a movie? Who's cast? What's happening? The fact that he showed up there, I, I just never... They show Clark walking in the snow, and I go, oh, okay. And I'm kind of hoping maybe there's going to be a fortress type of thing. And then Jonathan shows up. Yeah. And it was, it was just – I, I thought it was real cool. And it was yeah, and we kept hearing about Jenna Malone and all these, you know, and Scoot McNary and what his role was and all these kind of speculation about, you know, different people being in the film and what their roles might be. But there was nothing at all. I mean, even um, – uh, what's his name? It plays Zod, Shannon um, – Michael Shannon. Shannon. You know, we heard all about him. Was he in the movie? Is he not in the movie? His body's there, blah, blah, blah. But uh, nobody had, had nothing, nothing about mm -hmm. Jonathan Kent, and that was very interesting. And the death of Superman, while Doomsday was there, nobody thought oh, Superman's going to die. No, that kind of, that never leaked either. No, well, there, I, there were there were all these rumored Whispers. articles. And when you say Doomsday, you think, yeah, right. And people were just guessing, I think. And uh, it, I, yeah, I was I was surprised to see him there. Yeah. Continuing with the big question, Hector wrote, "Love it." I don't know if it was the from the if this was the final. Oh, let me start again. Hector wrote, love it. I don't know if this was from the final trailer, but the best part of it was when Superman said, stop, if I wanted you to be dead, you'd be dead. That line was real powerful for me. Can't wait for the movie. Yeah, and it was uh, kind of, shows you that Superman's, you know, in control. I mean, he, Batman could be dead. If Superman wanted him dead, he would be dead already, but he doesn't want him dead. He just wants him to stop. So right. very interesting. Exactly. Patrick O'Neill, our great sponsor. I forgot to mention that off the top of the show. Thank you, Patrick, for your continued support of this podcast. Patrick writes, The last trailer was good, but I didn't like the part of Batman blocking Superman's punch. But I'm still very excited for the movie. Keep up the great work, guys. Well, thank you, Patrick, and I hope you enjoyed the film. I'm going to say this, and I'm, I'm very pleased that it didn't come to this. In neither of my screenings did anybody, like, cheer or clap when Batman was beating Superman to a pulp. Mm. I, I really thought that that was going to happen because from everything I read online about these Batman fans talking about how simple it would be and how Batman would crush Superman and how they can't wait to see him go down and how he's scum and how he destroyed the world and how he blew up Metropolis and how he killed people, and which is all bull – I really thought I was going to hear Batman fans like, yeah, yeah, punch him, hurt him, because it was pretty brutal, brutal at mm. times when he was getting beat down. And I think I was looking around and people were kind of stunned in silence, yes, yes. just watching the battle. Uh, they they really uh, – I don't think anybody knew exactly what they should feel or who they should cheer for. Um, uh, is it Giles? I think it's Giles. Giles. Uh, Giles Savanaugh Jr. wrote, very, very good. I'm so eager to see the involvement of Wonder Woman. Also, I did enjoy the score. Happy Easter. Yes, thank you, Giles. Giles, thank you very much. Please let us know how yep. you pronounce your film, your, your name. Mm -hmm. uh, we enjoyed the film, and uh, happy Easter to you too this past weekend. Um, 
just talking about Batman and, and the brutalness of Batman, um, it was interesting when Batman was fighting all those guys, you know, I'll let you in on the second floor, there's all these men on the third floor, blah, 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 and he goes in and he's just, you know, brutalising them and there's, you know, stabbing them and he's, you know, people's, there's, there's death. And people mm-hmm. are cheering, ah, oh, yeah, this is a great Batman. I'm going, ah, oh, so it's okay for Batman to kill people, but Superman breaks Zod's neck and all oh, the whole world stops. <laughs> That's right. He not only there, but he does it in the chase scene as well. Yes. And then, and then people are, I heard people say, well, Superman's really the one who started the fight because he's the one who went down and kicked the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, Batman was killing people in the middle of the street shooting them blowing them up and then they said well they were bad people and i said well superman didn't know that and actually batman was only trying to get the kryptonite he wasn't worried about them from the very beginning his whole reason for following them because then alfred calls him out on it you're lying to me you can't lie to me Mm -hmm. i know what i I know it's not a a dirty bomb what is it and then he tells him it's kryptonite we're going to stop the kryptonian so the, the whole purpose of and i've even said this and i'm not I'm not I'm not a not Batman fan, but Batman's not my guy. I said as a Batman fan going into this film, I could actually see there being a negative reaction to what to the way he's portrayed because mm. I think he's very out of character. Mm. He does kill people, he does blow people up, he is very angry, he does want to kill Superman. His whole purpose for becoming Batman in this movie is to kill Superman. That's what he's here for. And that is not something that I normally attribute to Batman's attitude or personality, but the saving grace in that, and I've, I've even had people say, I'm just making excuses for Zack Snyder in this is I believe that he was better before he went away because of all the bad things that had happened, Robin dying. And and he probably has this feeling that if I'm going to come back and be Batman again, it can't be the way it was before. Mm. I let people go to jail. I let, people, I let people get out of jail. I let people live, and then they went on and killed people. So now I'm going to be brutal. I'm going to be more than I was before. Mm. I'm going to kill people because I'm not going to allow them to keep coming back and doing bad things. And the best part of that, in my opinion, is that at the end of the movie, he is inspired by Superman right. to not brand Lex, to not be as violent as he was, and to be better for the future. Mm-hmm. which to me is is more inspiring than than anything that people have said is not inspiring about man of steel or whatever is great that's what you want superman not the first hero not the one to inspire other people to become heroes but maybe the one to show people how to be heroes on a continuing basis very good all right what's our new big question the new big question is what did you think of Superman v. Batman, which is the way I've chosen to decide to say it from now on. What did you think of Dawn of Justice? Yes, let us know. Scotty and I have given our opinions. We've discussed it in in depth. Now it's your chance to let us know what you thought of the film, having seen it. Let us know. Use the big question feedback form found at the Superman homepage and send your answer, answer in. If you'd like to record a audio answer, please, it can only be a certain length of time, then we'll be happy to play that here on Batman, on our podcast. I was going to say Batman v Superman podcast, but on our Radio KL podcast. This month it was the Batman v Superman podcast. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's move on. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! So I think it's time for our Superman comedy sketch. What'd you find? Yes, we've got a uh, Batman v Superman themed comedy sketch from Warp Zone. You can check them out on YouTube. Look for the Warp Zone. Uh, Here they have Super People's Court, Batman v Superman.
Welcome to the Super People's Court. On this episode, Man of Steel and all-around Boy Scout Superman is suing the defendant on the grounds that his vigilante brand of justice simply doesn't work. He's just a guy jumping around on rooftops in a bat costume. Superman is seeking to have the defendant kicked out of the Justice League and to give up his life of crime fighting. The defendant, Batman, claims that Superman is just too old-fashioned and irrelevant in today's world. The Dark Knight believes that you don't need superpowers to be a superhero. Batman is countersuing for $2,000 in damages and for Superman to become the new Robin for a month. Super People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Katie presiding. Okay. What do we got here? You, Spit Curl, you got a problem with Bat Boy over there? Uh, yes, Your Honor. You see, the Justice League is made up of some of the most powerful superheroes in the world. We have a guy who can run so fast that he can travel through time. We have another guy who can create solid light constructs out of willpower, and even Aquaman can- Okay, okay, we get it. You got some super friends. Get to the point. My point is that Batman is not a real superhero. He's nothing more than a regular old man in a bat costume, which, by the way, doesn't look anything like a bat. Batman, how do you respond? I, I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, I got a cape, I got ears, I'm a bat! I meant to the other allegations. Ah, well, he is right I don't have any superpowers, but that's not all it takes to be a superhero. What I have are not just the skills and the gadgets to fight crime, but most importantly, I have the conviction to do what it takes to protect people and make my city a better place. Oh, sure, conviction is all well and good, but can it stop a meteor? Well, I'm sure Wayne Tech Satellite could stop a meteor, no problem. Uh, I mean, uh, I'd, you know, I'd have to ask uh, Bruce Wayne uh, first, of course, because you know, <laughs> I don't really know him that well, but, you know, I do hear that he is uh, handsome and, and nice and, uh, and, and handsome. Eh, like a drunk seven. Can we please get back to the case here? Hey, watch it, Big Blue. One more outburst like that and I'm going to sick Hugo here on you. Please don't. What do you got, soups? Look, powers or lack thereof aside, Batman is a menace. He breaks countless laws every night, violates people's civil liberties, and he probably can't even spell due process. <laughs> Do. I mean, look at his city. And pardon my language here, Your Honor, but it's a real dump. There's rampant crime, dozens of gangs, mentally unstable clowns roaming the streets. It's a mess. Whereas my city, on the other hand, is a literal metropolis. People are kind, respectful, and above all, they feel safe. Why? Because I lead by example. I follow the rules. I treat every person, regardless of who they are, with the utmost respect, like a fellow citizen, not like a sentient punching bag. And it's because of this that the people of Metropolis know that I will always be there for them, whenever they need me. Of course everyone in Metropolis is fat and happy. They've got their very own blue and red spandex-wearing fairy godfather there to save them. Now, unfortunately, Gotham doesn't have this luxury. Gotham exists in this little place called the real world where life is tough and unforgiving. You think you're making the people in Metropolis better, but you're not. By constantly swooping in and rescuing people, you've made them complacent, arrogant, and docile. You haven't empowered people. You've made them dependent on you. Do you know what would happen if you were just to disappear one day? Your entire city would fall apart faster than a speeding bullet. Burn. And while I can't just magically fly around and prevent every single crime, the fear that I put into the criminals of Gotham, the thought that I might be lurking around in any shadow has prevented a countless number of crimes. And yeah, Gotham might be in sorry shape right now, but a wise man once said, the night is always darkest just before the dawn. 
and the dawn is coming. Really? You're gonna quote Two-Face? Which, if I recall correctly, is a villain that you actually had a hand in creating. Well, at least my only weakness isn't some stupid green rock. Yeah, you're right. Your weakness is only everything that can kill a human. Oh, you want to go, bro? You know I could melt you right now, like, without actually batting an eye? I will pimp slap that stupid smug look off your face. Ooh, I'm real scared. Let me just give you another 30 minutes to get into that ridiculous armor. Oh, that is it. Yeah, at least I'm not wearing hockey pants. Order. Stupid cod piece where you're You look like an idiot. Order. Freaking alien anyway. What are you doing here? Shut the hell up. Now, I've been listening to the two of you yap on and on. But there's one thing that is very clear. You two should be fighting together, not against each other. Sure, your methods may be different. You with the brooding and the punching, and you with the flying and the more powerful punching. But your goals are the same. It shouldn't matter how you make a difference, just that you are making one. You're right, Your Honor. Of course I'm right. I'm a goddamn judge. Now you two, hug it out. So, uh, does this mean you're gonna throw out the case? Oh, no, no. I find the thought of you in Robin's costume way too hilarious to pass up, so I'm ruling with Batman. What? Yes! Ha <laughs> ha! Eat it! Mm. Yes! Justice has been served! Case closed. Oh, here he is. Batman, how do you feel about the ruling? Well, I think that Judge Katie is very wise and that uh, real justice was done here today. Thank you, Batman. Oh, and now our plaintiff, Superman. How do you feel about the verdict? Well, uh, I can't say that I'm too happy about what happened here today, but the law is the law, and I oh, intend Robin, to... Robin! Oh, the Joker's escaped from Arkham again! To the Batplane! Fly, you jackass. And there you have it, uh almost uh, like uh, what is it, Judge Judy, those types of shows. Superman and Batman having a bit of... Uh, well, I guess there was a lot of talk about why is it Superman, v Batman v Superman? Why is it not versus? And everyone's going, oh, it's the plaintiff versus the argument. You know, so I guess having a court comedy sketch is kind of reasonable. You know what's weird, too, is that I watched all these talk shows where either Ben or Henry was on them, and every every host said... Uh, next week he comes out in Batman versus Superman, and it's not called that at all. No. And uh, I've heard people say, "Well, that's what it means," or whatever. But I mean, maybe that is what it means. But uh, Dawn of Justice also means the beginnings of the Justice League. But no one's going Batman v Superman, the beginnings of the Justice League opens <laughs> on the twenty fifth. I mean, it is what it is. It's not it's called it. something else. Read it. That's right. Um, so uh, I guess we move on to our super secret soundbite. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Yes, last month the sound was from Supergirl Episode 2, Stronger Together. And uh, here is that sound if you forgot what we played. I need to know you're in full control of your powers. So there is a sound, and four people guessed it correctly. Who are they, Scotty? We had David Huang and Eunice. Donovan Hunter and Patrick O'Neill. Yeah, congratulations to those four people for guessing where in the world of Superman or Supergirl that sound came from. Let's see if more people can guess where this new super secret soundbite comes from. That man won't quit as long as he can still draw a breath. None of my teammates will. Me? I've got a different problem. 
Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use the super secret sound by entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. Speaking of Supergirl and being stronger together, how many times and how many different versions of a meme or a picture-by-picture comparison have I seen where it's Supergirl and then it's a picture from Dawn of Justice or from Man of Steel and it's like correct on the Supergirl (laughs) one, incorrect over here, you know. uh, Please. uh, Or a C, uh, Zack Snyder, this is how you do it right, that kind of thing. Um, So now... With that being said, since we're all fighting over what's right and what's wrong, the Superman song this month that Steve has uh, scoured the internet for, uh, of course, is Fight Night from the official BVS soundtrack. Yes, uh, Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL did a quite a good job on the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice uh, soundtrack. So here, uh, courtesy of uh, Water Tower Music, is the track Fight Night from that soundtrack.
Well, there you have it. That is the song. That is the track. That is our show. Remember, if you do have a topic, and we only spoke about Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice in this month's podcast, obviously there's stuff going on around the comic books, Rebirth, big announcements there, Supergirl, new TV episodes, Flash appearing on Supergirl. There is a lot to talk about, uh, and we will get to those topics in our next month podcast. But remember, if you have topics you want us to discuss, if you have a song you'd like to suggest, if there's a big question you'd like us to ask of the fans, all those suggestions, Scotty's just dropping his pen. He's so excited about <laughs> what you can come up with. Well, you can find that you can send us those suggestions using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage, or you can send an email to me. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com. Or if you want to berate Scotty for dropping pencils during the podcast, you can email him at scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we will try to use those suggestions in a future show. But for now, that is our show. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve, and thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, the next time they shine your light in the sky, don't go to it. You've been listening to Radio Kale, brought to you by Patrick O'Neill, our proud sponsor, and the Superman homepage website.